I had a kind of unusual entry into the world of music, particularly composing, because music wasn't a part of my life in any capacity until about age 10. I was into other sort of storytelling media, like games, certainly, and movies, comics, things like that. But um, uh, music was fully not part of it. I, I owned a couple of soundtrack albums, but because I loved those films, you know, they were like I had, of course, the vinyl uh, uh, record of Star Wars. But I couldn't have even told you the name John Williams because to me it was music from Star Wars. It belonged to Star Wars. It wasn't an individual's contribution to Star Wars uh, as I under, would you know, later understand. So it really wasn't part of my consciousness until um, one day we, you know, we had a kind of dusty abandoned piano in the basement that my sister had gone through the life cycle of attempting and then, and then bailing on piano lessons for. And uh, I remember uh, I started to just kind of poke around on it and I realized I could figure out little melodies from the various films I'd seen and from video games I'd been playing. And so my parents just said, you know, do you, I didn't know that you were interested in music. Do you want to try out piano lessons? I said, okay, why not? And um, so my teacher shows up and he says, what do you want to learn? And I basically said, I have no idea because I don't really know what's out there. I, I don't know what my options are. I've heard of various things. You know, I've heard of you know, the Beatles and I've heard of Beethoven, but I couldn't tell you the first thing about any of it. It's just not part of my life. So he said, well, let me, let me share with you some of my favorite music. And he came back the next week with a bunch of soundtracks, uh, of Jerry Goldsmith film scores. And I instantaneously sort of aligned my life to, to, to that. I said, I want to do that for the rest of my life that I, I was instantly captivated by his work particularly and but also just the idea of composers collaborating in this storytelling medium with writers and filmmakers and game developers and and it, it kind of very quickly got swept into that whole idea um and so that became the obsession immediately i started writing you know music virtually straight out of the gate and my piano lessons suffered considerably as a result um not a not a great pianist because i was so fixated on composing so quickly and so early and um but i was able to i was able to uh give music to my high school orchestra for example and learn to conduct and all of that starting at about age 14 or so and and get experience with with actual you know live orchestral performance um, uh, at a really surprisingly early age, we had a very strong musical program in my school, and so I was able to to constantly be experimenting. and And then I went off and got a you know an actual composition degree and all that. and And uh, just about eleven years ago, I think uh, twelve twelve years ago, I moved to Los Angeles. You know, fully intending to pursue it with absolutely no idea what my prospects for even sustainability, never mind success, could be. Um, and I've been very fortunate that I've been able to put food on the table for 12 years now. Uh, so, it, it, you know, it, it was one of those, like, in many respects, it's a very normal story because, you know, I went to 
college to study it and all that sort of thing, but I, I definitely got into it kind of an unusual way. Um, and especially because I didn't come from a musical household. It's not like my parents were musicians or there was always music playing on Sundays or those kinds of stories that you hear. It, it was, you know, science and, and other forms of art were much more prized in the, in the house. Oh, definitely very much a gamer. I, I, uh, I was one of those kids that I, I, I you know, had NES and SNES, and I would go to the uh, arcade and play all the cabinet uh, arcade games uh, as well. But as soon as the whole idea of being a PC gamer became a thing, that was very much where I was, and I would build my own PCs and, you know, to be able to keep up with whatever the latest... Uh, Usually first-person shooters was what drove the hardware requirements uh, back in those days. I guess that's still probably largely true. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, I identify, I think, first and foremost as a PC gamer. And, like, my genre, my the two genres I played the most in the 90s were real-time strategy and um, the adventure games, particularly. I mean, Sierra and LucasArts both uh, was pretty obsessed with... Um, but LucasArts is where my heart really lies. I mean, the, the Tim Schafer idiom of adventure games is, to me, one of the great pieces of modern culture. I mean, Grim Fandango is probably my favorite game of all time. Um, and, uh, and that's the, the apex of a, gr of a grand tradition of games. You know, Full Throttle, The Dig, Monkey Island, 1, 2, 3. The, these are all, you know, some of the greatest games ever made. So... That was that was my gaming childhood uh, and and kind of formative years into and in, through into high school and college and whatnot. But I dabbled in it. I dabbled in pretty much everything. I mean, you know, I played a handful of flight sims. I mean, I loved flight sims and I loved space sims. Like, you know, again, I was kind of a LucasArts junkie because X-wing Alliance is to me one of my, the best games ever. Also. Um, because it kind of it learned all of the great lessons of X-Wing TIE Fighter and X-Wing versus TIE Fighter and then wrapped it into far more compelling storytelling than any of the prior ones, at least to my taste. I know TIE Fighter tends to be people's favorite from that from that lineage. But uh, but, you know, so it was it was, you know, I'm the only games that I never really played quite as much of were like the Maddens and, and um, FIFAs and games like that. I was never quite as into uh, sports games uh, still play them but not as nearly as regularly but otherwise tried to cut across every genre I mean you know thousands of hours on Tekken and Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter or, or you know you, you name it it was always a big part of my life I, I always wanted to do creative work um, you know, I, at one point I thought I wanted to be a novelist and, and, and at one point I took a bunch of computer science classes in high school thinking, even though I was pretty dead set on being a composer, I, I did have a huge passion for games and thought it would be amazing to make games. And so I started studying programming with the idea being that I would go try to become a game developer. And, and so my ambition was it would be really fun to make games and to write my, my own music for them. That was my first idea for game scoring. Um, but I didn't know... I, I was otherwise much more aware of what the realities were in pursuing a career in film scoring or just contemporary classical music and writing for orchestras and chamber ensembles and that kind of thing than I was about what the realities of video game music were. And, and, and one of the first times that I remember thinking, this is, a, this is clearly a, a real um, 
career path is when I was playing Total Annihilation, which was kind of the breakout hit for Jeremy Soule, who of course later went on to compose for the Elder Scrolls uh, 3, 4, and 5, most famously, obviously, Skyrim. Um, and accounts of, you know, hosts of other games, Knights of the Old Republic and a bunch of the Harry Potter games and things like that. And, and But Jeremy, uh, his his first kind of major score, the first that I ever heard certainly was, was Total Annihilation, which was this wonderfully ambitious strategy game that I remember loving and also remember thinking, this is real music. I mean, this is absolutely real music. This is not, um, this this has, there's no liability to this. And, and I was not, I did not, think that um, game music was kind of hobbling along uh, but you know I listened to a lot of different kinds of music including a lot of film scores and when you listen to you know John Williams and the London Symphony and then you stack that up against like 16-bit synths trying to sound like that my ear automatically says I can tell that you know like on Final Fantasy 6 and Uematsu is writing music that's you know clearly inspired by these grand sort of John Williams and Jerry Goldsmith and James Horner sort of scores but they don't have technologically the ability to achieve that and so inevitably I would like the albums of concert recordings of adaptations of Final Fantasy music more than the actual Final Fantasy scores themselves because I could hear what their ambition was whereas like um, you know music that that more earnestly owned its electronicness in that era, you know, like like the the true eight bit music. Um, I, I I didn't really identify as an electronic musician, so I didn't hear that and say that makes me want to be a composer. But I admired the hell out of that music. I mean, I think that the original Mario theme by Koji Kondo is is probably one of the most significant contributions to the sort of zeitgeist of our culture of any person from any era of any discipline within games. Because it's, it is basically universally known. I mean, it's as known, I would think, as, you know, the two-note theme to Jaws or the shrieking strings in the shower scene from Psycho. I mean, you don't have to have ever played Mario uh, or have even been alive for the majority of the release of those titles. I mean, you could be, you could be in other words, you could be a six-year-old kid right now and know that music uh, and know kind of what it signifies. And so, but it didn't necessarily make me want to be a composer, even in the same way that orchestral music especially did. So Jeremy Soule is one of the first composers that I remember thinking that's a career path. But I was already so far down the rabbit hole of being a composer by that point that it was kind of like confirmation bias for me at that point. It wasn't exposing this brand new thing I hadn't really considered. To me, being a gamer and composing for games are two sides of the same coin because I have colleagues that aren't that write music for games that aren't that aren't really gamers, and I've never really understood why the job's even appealing to them because I don't know how it even makes sense. I wouldn't have any idea what I was doing or how to even gauge if the music was working if I couldn't go in and play test the game and and see for myself. I mean, it would, it would be like reading a script and then trying to score the movie solely off of what's on the page with no regard to what they ended up shooting, what they, how they edited it, how the actors interpreted it, what the editor then subsequently did with it. All that makes such an enormous difference that sometimes the script bears little resemblance to the finished film. And to make the script your guiding light is to, is at best to cut yourself off at the knees, if not to miss the film entirely. And 
I, to me, not playing the game and not being part of the game development process is, is very much analogously true as well. So yeah, I am very grateful for the fact that I, I have been a gamer and passionate about games my whole life. It informs every note I write. Uh, as I, it, it really was, it, it was the first time I had done interactive music and the first time I had done truly electronic music. And I had no idea what I was doing in either front. I mean, I just dove head in and, and, and we iterated heavily and worked hard together to try to make it happen. Um, and the, the idea was um, to just experiment, basically, to just say, well, look, I, I've spent uh, now about 10 years with a daily practice of music. It's, you know, it's a daily part of my life for, at, by that point, about 10 years. And so the, the basic tools of how to construct music, I had my head, you know, relatively wrapped around. So then it became, what happens if I just totally change the vocabulary? Um, and it, I would liken it to, it's like, say you wear the same basic outfit every day for 10 years. And then one day you say, I'm going to just see what happens if I you know, dye my hair green and, and, and gel it like crazy and put on like a flamboyant leather, you know, pink leather jacket and uh, striped pants and red uh, rain boots and just walk around and see what the world looks like through this totally new lens of like something. I'm still me wearing those clothes. Uh, the, you know, the human being at the nucleus of that outfit is still me, but I'm trying a very different way to walk out into the world. And so, you know, the first time you do it, it's sort of terrifying because you think this is just so novel. Um, but uh, it was it was very freeing. I mean, I never thought of music the same way again. It totally rewrote my DNA as a composer, um, not to mention that it obviously kickstarted a relationship with Genova and that game company that completely and totally changed the landscape of my life and my career. I don't like usually bring that up unless someone else brings it up because Journey to me was so much about the the players and the incredible responses and the very emotional kind of heartfelt testimonials that people made and, and the reaction that they got from the game, which was so beyond anything that was in any of our minds or certainly in, in my mind while we were working on it. I, I just remember thinking, I hope people like it. I hope it makes sense. Uh, you know, I hope that it, they respond in any way. And the fact that people internalized it so personally ended up being what I think about when I think about Journey. But the whole thing, I mean, the fact that I still to this day get tweets and emails from people asking about it or saying I finally had a chance to play it or, I, you know, I, I just bought the album on vinyl or whatever. I mean, it's like the fact that it's still, there's still this, it, it's still a presence more than five years since it came out in my life. Truly, every single day, you know, people tag me when someone posts uh, like their own fan art or, or someone spots a cosplayer at a convention somewhere. You know, I, I, I had a friend at a, at a gamer themed bar in Santiago, Chile two days ago, and there was a, a whole a whole like mural of the of the bar was the journey sort of character in the desert with the mountain. Um, I couldn't tell if I was looking at a poster or a painting from the photo, but the point is it was larger than a person. I mean, it was it was a huge presence on this wall in this bar in Chile in South America. And you know, that, that was, I got that on 
I, I think yesterday or the day before. Um, so it's it's just every day there's something or multiple things. It used to be that there were a hundred a day, but it still keeps going. Still it is astonishing to me. So the awards and all of that were were obviously uh, quite a roller coaster. But the thing that sticks with me is the fact that it, to my complete amazement, it still seems to matter to people, and that's. I, that's the most ambitious goal I could ever have for anything in my life is just to make something that was worth making because you have no idea if it was that's up to other people I you know I get personal satisfaction from the work that I do but it takes it to a whole new level if somebody else is able to make it their own and they, they, they bring it into their life in a way that means something unique to them and if I can somehow create an experience or participate as a composer within a larger experience like a game that someone can then bring into their life and, and it becomes its own thing for them. It becomes its own signifier of memories or relationships or whatever. That's, I feel like, the greatest contribution I could possibly make to someone's life. And there's no guarantee you could make the best game or write the best music of all time. And if people pat you on the back and say, hey, this is great, but they don't actually kind of bring it into their life, uh, then, you know, you've just kind of added to the pile. Um, and so to me, I just feel very grateful because you can't control that. It's still every time someone messages me, I always write back and say, I hope you know that this is nothing short of kind of like life affirming that you would take the time to write to me to tell me this story or to show me this, you know, fan art that you've made or this cosplay or whatever. It, it, it's all really kind of astounding and surreal still to this day. Uh, it's it's all the above. I mean, people come to me, uh, and I don't say yes to everything. Um, and then there are also projects that I will uh, catch wind of that I'll think, ooh, that sounds interesting, and I'll throw my hat in the ring, and sometimes I get it, and sometimes I don't. I mean, to me, hustling is a good thing. I, I enjoy... I, don't, I, I would hate the idea of just presuming I'm always going to have opportunities on the table because I enjoy... The, the hustle implies you have to prove yourself. Um, you have to prove that you can hopefully bring something of value to, to a project. And I like having to prove that because I don't, I don't like having some kind of creative safety net like, oh, yeah, you know, you're brilliant. You're going to write something brilliant. I, I say, well, I don't know what gave you that idea. I don't know that for sure. I don't know that I've ever written anything ever that could qualify as that. Um, uh, even something popular like Journey, I have a million things I wish I could change. Um, and so... Uh, to me, you know, the, the, the hustle for new opportunities is a really positive way. It's, it's, uh, 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 it's, it's a really positive thing, I should say. I would liken it to if you go to the gym and work out. It's not like at some point now you've just, you're like done. You don't ever have to work out again and you've achieved peak physical health. There's always new goals and there's always, if nothing else, just maintenance of the body. <laughs> and so... Uh, and of your health. And, and so I am very lucky that I, I don't ever seem to have a shortage of opportunities, but I also am always trying to create new opportunities as well. Um, I mean, in the case, you know, apropos to, to, to this, this, this project, uh, Absolvers, you know, they, they approached me out of nowhere. I, I didn't know them. They were a fresh um, indie of, you know, former Ubisoft, uh, a lot of former Ubisoft uh, team. And, um, and uh, just said, you know, we were familiar 
with some of your work, and we'd love to show our game and see what you think about it. And um, I, of course, immediately... I mean, I say, of course, you, you can't ever take for granted that somebody would actually be working on something interesting, but in this case, their game had a million things about it that jumped out at me as very compelling. And they are a great team. Pierre, um, the, the sort of creative director, um, is a phenomenal collaborator. Um, and, uh, and I could tell from our first meeting that he's the kind of person that really values you know, creative input. And if I disagreed with him, you know, he was not looking for like a sycophant. He, he didn't want somebody to say yes to everything. He wanted somebody to have an idea. And if we agreed, great. And if not, he's open to why not. And, and that's something I really value because I feel the same way, you know, prove me when I'm wrong. Uh, and, um, but then if I'm not, uh, you know, let's, let's move forward then and that kind of thing. And, and, um, and it's, it's just been a wonderful, healthy collaboration. And that was one that just came straight to me. I'm ha very grateful to say. Uh, I mean, there's always high level creative direction. The nice thing is they didn't say we like X, Y, Z pieces of music or soundtracks or whatever. And we want it to be like that. You know, sometimes that's the only way someone can really articulate what they want. Sometimes that's literally what someone wants. I mean, sometimes they literally just say, we want you to go sound like this. And I don't, I don't, I'm fortunate that I don't ever have to say yes to projects like that because that's really just not interesting to me. Um, but, but I find that it's actually not that common in games anyway. Most of the time people want you to put their stamp on it and they want you to bring something that surprises them and that adds a kind of a fresh energy to it. And, and so that was very much the case here. Pierre said, you know, look, we're making a game that's very visceral, but it's very thoughtful. This is, this is a fighting game on its surface, but this is not Street Fighter. You know, this this game, in my mind, I may be speaking out of turn, but the game to me has has a lot of DNA in common with um, strategy games m as much as it does with fighting games, because a lot of fighting games obviously devolve into button mashers, and this is not. You really, I don't. I think if you were against a high level player, no amount of button mashing could could possibly uh, win because there is a, an enormous amount of deep strategy to the mechanics of the game and so that thoughtfulness was something that they impressed on me and, and said you know the score can reflect that it's not just purely about the visceral impact we don't want pure you know high octane drums and, or, and, and they also said we're really not interested in a big orchestral score it doesn't feel like our game and I don't remember if they even articulated why, if there was a specific reason. It just didn't feel right. But I agreed immediately. I said, this is definitely not... Or if it were to be orchestral, my suggestion would be to go in a very unusual, you know, like score it like a Tchaikovsky ballet or something. Like, don't don't try to go Hans Zimmer Orchestra or John Williams Orchestra. Go some other route. But, but we all agreed that's not the direction anyway. Let's try something a little bit more... Um, esoteric, something a little bit more earthy and something a bit more eclectic that doesn't feel rooted in a specific kind of cultural idiom or a specific uh, folk concept. So it draws from a lot of different kind of weird, odd uh, places with the idea being that it has to it has to have a lot of teeth, it has to have a lot of uh, physical kind of impact, but below the surface of all that, this game is about empathy. And it's about the idea that we'll, we're, let's fight and make each other better for doing so. Uh, the, the, the little catchphrase Pierre threw at me when we very first spoke uh, a little over a year ago was, 
um, this should be about friendship through combat. And I always liken it to the relationship between Rocky and Apollo Creed, where like boxing is their language. That's their meeting ground. But it's it's not it's not it's it's where you go to work out your issues and to get closer, not to try to kill each other. And there's a there's a thread of that in this game that I responded to a lot where I thought it's 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 almost like taking the multiplayer mechanics of a game like Journey and saying, how do we um, put that kind of empathetic infused gameplay into a fighting game, uh, which was extremely intriguing to me. So the score has to somehow wrap its head around that as well. Uh, who knows if I've succeeded, but that's the idea. 